Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. You know, the God who created the universe, as David shared this morning, sent his very own son to be one of us, to know what it's like living on this earth, to know what it is to be able to conquer sin, that he would be able to take us and then transform us, that we would be able to be made right in our relationship with our Holy Father, that we would no longer just be called servants of God, but that we would be called his friends, that we would be called his sons and his daughters. Such an amazing, amazing miracle. You know, it's amazing. As I was listening to David share this morning, I was thinking, How amazing is God because God really has a message for us and it really ties in this morning with the message this morning, David. So I want to encourage you in that. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit is within every single one of us and it's God's design to bring each of us together as his body that we would all be flowing in those gifts through the Holy Spirit. His power is in us. His power works through us. His power is here today we're going to be flowing on we're doing a series at the moment called in christ and as we've been unpacking these these each week we've had a different topic and we've been learning about what it really truly means to be in christ and just to recap on the main idea of this series this morning that to be in christ means to be abiding within jesus And that might sound all well and good on a theoretical level, but what does that look like in our daily lives? And today I have the incredible privilege of sharing with you the being in Christ, the wisdom and the revelation of God. There are so many passages of Scripture that refer that when we're in Christ, we are in His wisdom. When we're in Christ, We're in his revelation. And this morning, we're going to learn how we can take his word and apply it to our lives that we might overcome in the everyday challenges that we might face. Love you to turn this morning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be reading from verse 18 this morning. And it flows on exactly with what David was saying this morning. Incredible incredible word that the Holy Spirit has for us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, reading from verse 18 to 31. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Greeks who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the, sorry, that was supposed to be the Jews. Did I say Greeks? I was jumping out. The Jews wanted the sign. Right. It is foolish to the Greeks 
who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. We just stop there for a moment and see the parallels that they are between the society that the Apostle Paul was speaking to and our modern day lives. There are many religions, which will remain nameless this morning, who are very offended by the message of the cross. There is also incredible schools of belief, new forms of religion that seek human wisdom, that are based on philosophy. You see, that's where Christianity, authentic Christianity, is very different from any other religion because we rely on the message of the cross. We rely on the gospel that Jesus came to earth, that he was God and he became human in order that he would be able to be broken by our sin and reconcile us to our heavenly father, that he rose again, that we might have new life, that we wouldn't live this set of morality where we're trying to please God through our own human understanding, our own human strength. It is impossible to please God out of just our own humanity. And in fact, when we see humans doing that right across the planet, trying to live out this this way of morality, trying to define a set of right and wrong, all we get is religion. The world is sick of religion. The world is sick of humans trying to present this form of God that has no power. But we know today that the power of God is through the message of the cross through what Jesus has done for us. We're going to continue reading this morning from verse 24. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of all human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Verse 30 today, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Following on to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24 this morning. Let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight. And through those passages of Scripture, we can see that Jesus is wisdom itself. 
Jesus is the wisdom of God. And all forms of revelation right throughout the Bible, as we, in, as we read through Scripture, we can see that whenever the Bible talks about revelation, it's talking about the revealing of Christ, who He is in our lives. This person, Jesus Christ, it's not about a code of morality. It's not about a human effort or human philosophy or human reasoning. It is in knowing a person, this person, Jesus Christ, who through what he has done has reconciled us unto him. His Holy Spirit is here. His Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus is wisdom and revelation is a revealing of him. What does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean? How can he be revealed to us? To be truly enlightened by divine wisdom, we can't just go after the satisfaction of our own human understanding. We need to go after Jesus himself. God is relational. He wants to be with us. He wants us to share our life with him every single day. He cares about the smallest details of our life. He cares about the smallest battles that we face. Are you asking Jesus to reveal himself to you? How? How do we ask Jesus to reveal himself to us? I love the message of the gospel. It is so simple. But yet in our human states, we sometimes make it so complicated. God has made it simple. The gospel message can be understood by every single man, woman and child on this planet. But there's this stumbling block of pride. There's this stumbling block of our human state that our mind gets in the way and the enemy gets in the way too kingdom of darkness is very active on the earth and the powers of darkness can come to confuse us to blind us to trip us up to whisper in our ear to hold us back in 2 corinthians 11 verse 3 the apostle paul says but i fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ it's a very simple message this morning we need to receive christ and ask him to reveal himself to us we're going to be looking at three practical ways that we can really allow Jesus to reveal himself to us this morning. Reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12 to 13. We can see that the first area is that Jesus reveals himself to us when we seek him. Some people have this picture of God that he's this divine being in this detached state that's just pulling all the strings and is in control and dictating everything on the earth that is not the picture that the bible represents of god the bible shows very clearly that god is very relational and that he waits for us to seek him he waits for us waits for us 
Jeremiah 29 verse 11 and 12 says, Then you will call on me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. We've got to search for Jesus. We've got to seek him. We've got to want him. We've got to go and pray to him. So through prayer, that is one of the most powerful ways that we can seek Jesus. You know, I've been a Christian all my life, but at different points, there's been a journey. And when I was in year eight, I fell away from the Lord. I backslid from Him. I was far away from Him in my heart. And I really drew away from Him because of disillusionment with trauma and things that I'd gone through in my life. But I distinctly remember a turning point in my life where at the age of 14, I got on my knees in my bedroom and I cried out, God, change me. Change me. And when we pray to allow God to be God in our life, when we seek Him for who He is, not just what He can do for us, but because of who Jesus is, and that takes faith. It takes faith to pray to an invisible God. It takes faith when you're in dire circumstances. And for me, at that point at 14 years old, I'd been very, very disillusioned by Christians. I'd seen some horrendous hypocrisy in my own family and in the church. I was very disillusioned. I had every reason to be disillusioned with God. It took a step of faith to believe that he was good and that Jesus was there in that bedroom listening to that prayer. I want to encourage you today. Jesus is with you. He is waiting for you. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks, but you've got to be ready to open the door and to let him in. You have to want him. You have to seek him. You need to ask him. Are you asking Jesus to reveal himself to you? The second practical key that we can see in his word is that Jesus reveals himself to us when we surrender to him. I get really concerned by the way that the world speaks about God now. There is such irreverence in a lack of acknowledgement of who God is, that the fear of God has left our culture, that jokes can be made on television and irreverent things said in our schools. I remember when I first started university, I was basically taught that if you believed in God, you were not intelligent. You know, there's this real lack of, of respect for God and a lack of fear of God. But when we come with that fear of God, in Proverbs it teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? Because when we fear God for who He is, when we know who He is, that He is all-powerful and all-creating God, then as we come to Him in prayer, we're going to be speaking with reverence and respect. We're going to be seeking Him for who He is. And who do we find then? We find Jesus Himself. Wow. Jesus revealing Himself to us. I get so encouraged by King David in the Bible. I love the Psalms because he can be on top of the world one chapter, 
and in the depths of this despair the next. I relate to that. I just think that's awesome. And he was so real in his relationship with God and he was so honest with God about how he was feeling. David was one of the people that walked most closely with God. And we can see that David was surrendered before God. How do we surrender to God? In worship. Worship. The word worship means to bow down. That's an act of surrender. It's got very little to do with the music. It has everything to do with the attitude of our heart. We can be worshipping Jesus all the time in surrendering to his will. When I was pregnant with our second child, she was diagnosed as having part of her spine missing. And that was picked up about three months before the end of the pregnancy. And we were doing everything to believe God for a miracle, that that spine would have a creative miracle work and that she would be born completely normal. And we believed that and we had a peace in God in that. But I distinctly remember this. There was one night that I was in the shower and I pray a lot in the shower. Who knows when you're a young mother, sometimes the shower is the only place you get peace and sometimes not even then. Mommy, I need space. Give me my shower. And I was crying out to God and I was crying out to him to heal our unborn girl. But I said, Lord, everything in me wants her to be whole. But not my will, but yours be done. Are we going to surrender to God even when he doesn't answer our prayers? Because he is God. And I stepped out of the shower and he said, Suzanne, you are going to be amazed at what I'm going to do through this. She was born the next day, nine days early. And I know that God has a plan. And we've already seen so many people touched through the journey that we've been on. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way that we want him to. But when we surrender to him, he has his perfect will in our life. What, it is, what is God's perfect will? To be able to reach as many people as possible in our lifetime with the gospel, with the good news, that in Jesus there is hope. I had a lot of unsaved, Christ, uh, unsaved people watching me at that time. I even had a friend of mine who's an atheist. And she said to me, Suzanne, I'm amazed that you haven't lost your faith through this. I had unsaved friends going to church to pray for Rochelle. There were lives that were touched through that circumstance that would never have been touched any other way. And I'm not saying that God did that to her because nothing that is bad comes from God. We're living in a fallen planet and there wouldn't be one person in this room today that hasn't gone through suffering on some level. But we see that our God is good and that through our suffering, He produces goodness. He produces strength. He produces character. He produces hope. There is always hope in the name of Jesus. I drew on the Psalms a lot during that season and one of the most powerful Psalms is in Psalm 18. And it shows David's intimacy with the Lord. It shows his dependence on him that even when he was faced with impossible circumstances, he still surrendered and he came to his God. I remember once the Lord saying to me, Suzanne, most people run from me when they need me the most. 
but you always came to me. Let's read from Psalm 18 because David is doing the same thing. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Are you asking Jesus to reveal himself to you? We've got to turn to him. We've got to seek him. We've got to surrender to him. We've got to run to him. In that place of surrender, when you worship what do you seek? Do you press into his presence? Is your personal love for the Lord expressed like King David in that psalm? Are you worshipping him for who he is or from the experience that you can get out of it? Do you worship him in private when nobody else sees? Worship is an amazing place. Worship is a place that as we come and bow down, we can actually visualize things in the presence of God. And as we visualize things in the presence of God, God actually can reveal amazing things to us. The key in worship is just to come, just to surrender. Leave our agenda at the door and just surrender. And as we come surrendered, that is when the Lord will reveal himself. And he often does it suddenly and unexpectedly. Like the time that I was on my face just in a prayer meeting, just on a Tuesday night, I was struggling with a few things. And I was just seeking God. And when I enter into worship, I'm real visual. Not everyone's a visual person, but I'm very visual. And entered in the presence of God. And I just saw myself in the throne room, just on my face before God, just worshiping him. So when we reach out in worship with our imagination that God has given to us to be able to visualize ourselves in the presence of God, then he starts to unfold things. We put our focus on him. And all of a sudden, these curtains open behind the throne and all of a sudden, I wasn't visualizing anymore. This was being revealed to me by God. And I saw on the screen behind the throne, there was a movie playing. And it was of Ian and myself and our two children, a little boy and a baby girl. That was before we were married. And the Lord was giving me a vision of our future. Another time I was in worship. Again, I often just see myself just at his feet. He's on the throne. I'm at his feet just worshiping him. And out of the blue, I was no longer worshiping at his feet. I was seated at his table in heaven. And at this table in heaven, there was all this family sitting around this table. And I'm looking at them and I recognize there was my auntie Dot at the end, who I was very, very close to. She passed away when I was 18. And 
she was so beautiful and she was smiling at me and my grandfather was there who I'd never met. And then there was this person beside me and I didn't know him, I'd never met him. And I looked at him and he said, come dance with me. I was like, all right, <laughs> why not? Started to dance and he looked like my dad. And he had a personality like my brother. And he said to me, I'm Jason, the baby that your mum lost before you were born. I saw my brother in heaven through worship just because God wanted to share that. And he spoke to me and I told my mum and I said, this is what God showed me. And she said, Jason was one of the names that I had picked out in my first pregnancy. It's just amazing to think that as we surrender, Jesus not only reveals himself, but he gives us all manner of revelation. He gives us this amazing ability to be able to inspire people that there is hope in the name of Jesus because I can tell you the amount of mothers that I've been able to minister to because they've lost a child because of that vision that Jesus revealed to me. He wants to use our life to touch others in so many ways. So I encourage you, when you come into worship, don't see it as a musical experience or just something to get through in the service. You can experience heaven in the presence of God. And as we step out in faith, just like I did, you can visualize things and just see yourself worshiping God and not wait for him to show you anything. Just wait on him just because he's beautiful, just because he's glorious, just because he's the son of God, just because of who he is. And because he's relational, he wants to take us and lead us into all manner of revelation and truth. I remember being down there in that third row, crying my eyes out. I was the biggest basket case you'd ever seen. Dysfunctional, messed up in the head. And I looked up at this stage and I said, Jesus, I'll never get up there again. God is powerful. All we've got to do is surrender. All we've got to do is allow him to have his way in our lives. And those moments can be the most life-transforming things of our lives. The third area this morning, last area this morning, Jesus reveals himself when we surround ourselves with him in our lives. That our relationship with Jesus is not a Sunday experience. That we are in Christ every day that we're alive when we're born again. Sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we have the pressures of life that come and all the things that bombard us and the thoughts that go through our head. But sometimes we can forget that Jesus is right beside us. Prayer, worship and his word all go together in this area. Revelation and wisdom only come through prayer. Personal, personal walk with Jesus and asking Holy Spirit to bring revelation through his word. So when we read the Bible, it needs to be relational, not an academic experience, not a theoretical experience. But when we open up those pages to read his word, ask him to reveal himself, invite him, pray before you read his word. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me through your word. I pray that you'd let me see what you want me to see today. Sometimes I've been, I love studying the Word and I love getting into the deep things of God and I love that side of it. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that I'm seeking Him and that I'm reading His Word to be with Him. 
I'm into reading the whole Bible. I love studying all the details. I even read the begats and the tabernacle, even though it's painful. And sometimes I've sat down to read the Bible, some of the driest chapters, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to me out of the blue just because I'm spending time in His Word. His Word is powerful. And it's all about our heart attitude in seeking Him. Do you spend time in His Word in your everyday life? When you search the Scriptures, are you asking Him, to reveal himself to you personally. We can't possibly understand all the things of the Bible without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. That just forms religion. Through the Holy Spirit is where the powerful, rima, revelation word of God comes. And as I look through Scripture, I'm so encouraged by the people that God chose. You know, back in that first Scripture we read tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it was talking about God choosing people. Who does God choose? There's been much philosophical debate over this. Many are called, but few are chosen. You know, there's all these philosoph- well, let's have a look. What does the Bible say? Who does God choose? Let's look at his word. There's so many that God cho- chose, and this is just to name a few. We had Noah. We had Abraham. We had Sarah, Joseph, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, Deborah, Ruth, David, Esther, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elizabeth, Mary, Peter, James, John, and Paul. There are only a couple. Great diversity in character. All had different backgrounds. Some were young, some were old, some were male, some were female. They were all of different races and they were all flawed. So as I sought the Lord and said, Lord, what do they have in common? What do they have in common? And the two things that he showed me were this. Number one, they were just going about their business, not looking to be exalted. And number two, They had a clear perspective of God's supremacy in their lives. They knew who he was. They knew he was God. And it doesn't matter how weak or how foolish or despised you feel or the the impossibility of the circumstances that you face. God is able to choose you. He is able to use you. When you recognize that he is God, when we seek him, when we surrender to him, when we surround ourselves with him, surrounding ourselves is through his word, through his presence, by inviting him in, talking to him in the car on the way to work, talking to him about the ordinary things of life, talking to him about this stressful meeting you've got coming up, allowing his Holy Spirit to come, inviting him in, asking him in, having Awesome praise and worship music is a great way to help surround yourself in the presence of God, particularly when we're bombarded by the world in what we face in our everyday lives. And I look at that scripture where it says that God uses the weak and the foolish things. And I look back to that place where I had that encounter with God that changed my life forever as a teenager. I was completely dysfunctional. I was completely weak. I was foolish. I was despised. I was bullied at school. I was nothing and I had nothing. But I was never nothing to God. And I want to encourage you this morning that it doesn't matter where you are. You are not nothing to God. 
He wants to take you. He treasures you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He wants to transform you from the inside out. And all it takes this morning is that surrender to God saying, yes, Lord, change me. Use me, God. Use this life for your glory. No matter what comes my way, no matter what I face, no matter what difficulties, I will follow you, Jesus, for all of my days. Love the worship team to come back up just as we conclude this morning. So how's the wisdom of God found in acknowledging as humans how weak we are? That in ourselves, we are foolish and limited in our logic and thinking in comparison to Almighty God. In acknowledging how much we need Him. Coming before Him and asking Him to change us. Worshipping and loving Him and asking Him to reveal Himself to us in every day of our life. Let's bow our heads and pray.